On this episode of the Star Trek Universe podcast, we are talking Disco 206, The Sounds of Thunder, right after this. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps—you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to the Star Trek Universe Podcast. My name is Matthew Carroll. I am David C. Robertson. Hey, buddy. Hey, man. Ah, so we have yet another episode of Star Trek Discovery. Yeah. And that CBS All Access summary. Yeah, give us that, give me that sweet, sweet summary. I need it. I need it in my veins. It's so sweet. When a new signal appears over Saru's home planet, Burnham, Saru, and the crew embark on a perilous mission that puts Saru in danger and raises questions about the Red Angel's intentions. Hugh struggles to come to terms with his new reality. Indeed. I'm incredibly torn on this episode, man. Um, yeah, there's, there's, me too. Me too. <laughs> uh, I, okay. Should we get? Should we? We should get some positives out of the way up. Oh, absolutely! Because like, I feel like we always dive into the negatives first, and there are lots to like about this episode. Yeah, I don't know that we always do on the negative first. I feel like when there's negative, which not always there is. A lot of times we just talk about the positive, but when we have something mm-hmm. negative, a lot of times we tend to d- dig down on it. Uh, so I really, I really like. The, the, the storyline, I liked the Ba'ul, I liked the analysis of the Ba'ul and the, the, the mystery being solved, that they used to be a prey species that turned into a predator species. That was all real cool. Yes, absolutely. Um, I actually was completely surprised by that. Mm-hmm. I thought they were going somewhere else with it. I was actually fully expecting a balance of terror twist on this episode. Uh-huh. Because the whole thing with Saru, and I actually expected it super early in the episode when when they talked about his him him getting teeth coming out of his neck, mm-hmm. um, and then they talked about the Baul and how they and, and they were evolving, and then the ba- they'd never well, as soon as they said they'd never seen the Baul, I was like, oh my gosh, the Baul are what he's turning into. That's yeah, totally I, what I thought. I thought it was more of a Sona Baku thing from Insurrection. <laughs> right, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Same same difference. Similar thing. But I yeah. thought it was going to be literally the same twist as in the original series, Balance of Terror, when we just see 
we see the the bowl for the first time and it's just a kelpian like that's mm-hmm. what i thought we were about to see and then when and, and then they did they really played it up they even had him like coming out of that oil and it was all like they did they had him blurry in the background i thought that oil was going to drip off and we were just going to see a kelpian and i was like oh it's coming it's coming and then it wasn't apparently yeah yeah, I could see that. Like, so we're at the, at the uh, top of the episode says, what is a Kelpian without fear? Or Ba'ul. Yeah, but, which yeah. which I love the I love that energy. And I'm still interested in the question of what is a Kelpian now, because apparently they were a predator species before. And who's, to, like, I mean, Pike says it, who's to say they won't return to those ways? Yeah, and I, I really like that question. And as far as, like, what are what what are any of us without our faith? You know, like... Because he found out his faith was a lie. Yeah, that's a really so, good, really good point. What does he become when when he doesn't have that hand guiding him? Yeah, even even if your faith was not the truth, like mm-hmm. if it was guiding you to be a better person, what do you what do you become without it? Hmm. That's a that's a that's a tricky question, and 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 I you know I think as as people grow and change in their lives and 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 have different relationships with their faith, that's a question a lot of us go through. Um, the it's it, it's yeah I like I like that interpretation of this episode. Uh, I was just thinking it's interesting that they have they have the the Kelpians are now this question mark as to whether they're going to continue to be the good guys. Yes. That's, I, I love that the Baal will tell uh, Saru, you have no idea what you are. Yeah. Like, and I think it's funny that without faith, he grows teeth. That's funny. Like, yeah. he's suddenly very, like, willing to put Pike in his place, stand up for himself yeah. in kind of disastrous ways. Like he's feeling his oats, man. Oh yeah, for sure. That the whole, the whole Saru, you know, it's what you were talking about wanting from the last episode. Mm-hmm. Um, Saru yeah. being really out there and tough. And and after that, I, I do agree with you. I feel like the only reason they didn't slot that last week's episode into next week's episode is because they just wanted to draw the comparison between Hugh and, and um saru at this moment Mm -hmm. and i kind of wish they had just that wasn't worth it to me i wish they had just had this episode last week (laughs) Mm. because it was weird to take a break from the saru storyline uh that seems like such a big change uh for saru anyway no i think i think an episode is good for a buffer yeah yeah I, I, that's true. I guess I just, I, like you said last week, I just wanted, I would have liked there to have been some reference to the fact that Saru was changing last mm-hmm. week. That would, that would have satisfied me. Um, so let me talk about my big problem with this episode. Oh, okay. Sure. Uh, I now let you. Thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. Dave. Permission granted. I guess I should say. Thank, thank you, commander. <laughs> I, I think it's insane the way that decisions were made in this episode. Absolutely. And the way that Pike was a feckless captain in this episode. Mm -hmm. They talked around Pike and Burnham made all the decisions and Pike would nod every once in a while, but gave no pushback. 
And they radically change the direction of a pre-warp species. Mm, yeah. They did not... It's, it's not like... The thing is, they don't know what Saru is going through. Earlier in the episode, they talk about Saru and how he's not even worthy to be on the bridge right now because they don't know how this is going to affect him. Mm -hmm. He's also not worthy to be on this away mission because they don't know what this whole after now that he's gone through this process, what it's going to mean for his personality, his thought processes. Like they don't know who Saru is. That's right. And they inflicted that sort of uncertainty on an entire species. Yeah. That's insane. I agree. It's not unprecedented. I mean... Sure. Absolutely. It's not unprecedented in Star Trek. I mean, we all remember Kirk, what Kirk's decisions were in the apple. Your god is alive, basically. Right. Um, <laughs> right. And it I, just boiled down to its essence. It's definitely not unprecedented, especially, I think, in the original series... Um, and but I guess in most cases when those things happen, maybe not in the original series. Uh, sometimes I think they just weren't putting full thought into certain things. I think there's a difference, and I think that uh, I mean I, I believe that was true of the Apple and and the Children of All. I think that's true here of the the Kelpians. They were messed with by a warp uh, a warp. Uh, species. I agree completely. I like that they dug in on the question of uh, General Order 1 and what it means mm-hmm. in this circumstance. Um, and we got an answer that 20 years ago the Baal did get warp drive so they they could be messed with. Um, but it was a fuzzy thing whether they were allowed we were they were allowed to mess with the kelpians uh, mm-hmm. and that's the thing it's like it's a judgment call whether you're allowed to even talk to this species you know what we should do let's radically change their entire species way of life and uh and and like even their internal thoughts like let's take their fear away Mm-hmm. That's crazy. That is crazy. And I think that is a, like the writers were asked about that and they were saying that like Pike absolutely knows that, the, and they wanted to get into that deeper, but they didn't have time. Um, and it, I, it, they, their answer led me to believe that it will come about a little more in, in subsequent episodes. Uh, I hope so. at least I hope it, I hope so. But, um, yeah, I think, like, from my own perspective, I think it didn't seem like Pike was feckless so much as he was trying to remain captain, because, and he did pretty, like, he, he was, uh, you know, pretty ballsy in telling Saru, you know, get off the bridge, you know? Yeah, no, that's, see, that's not where, like, I think he pushed back on Saru, but the he part that bothered did. me was that he didn't push back on when they're making these big decisions for the Kelpians, when Burnham is, like, bouncing back and forth with Tilly and the other crew members, like, they didn't wait on the captain to give a final answer as to what they should do. They just did it. <laughs> that's right. I feel like Pike was kind of, like, Going by what Saru was feeling, and I feel like he was somewhat doing that. Uh, he he made a big decision to go for this, but I feel like he was kind of like trying to stay captain, but also stay woke. You know, like I can't be, I can't begin to imagine what the hell Saru's going through. Maybe we'll go by what he thinks. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I, I don't think that's. I, I just don't think that's a good call. Maybe not. 
based on the previous things he said in that episode, the fact that he, like he said, Saru, you are the most complicated choice for this mission because you are going through a big change and you don't know. Mm -hmm. We don't know what you're thinking right now or what you're going through. And you haven't even figured out who you are. Like, it's a bad idea to send you. And then to just completely rely on his major decisions was was strange. It was strange, but they did call it out. They hung the lantern in the episode that, like, they radically altered a species for generations to come. Yeah. They they definitely did. They definitely were clear about that. Uh, mm-hmm. What I didn't like, I, I guess maybe it would have been better if the reason they did that was more of an existential threat um, to the entire species. Because... The reason they start doing that is just because they have Saru and Syriana trapped. Like, that's before all the, like, lasers are going through the eyes and all that stuff. All the obelisks are about to explode. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's, they, they decide, that's the reason, like, that's the thing I was thinking when they decided to do that. I was like, well, aren't the Ba'ul just going to exterminate this species? Like, yeah. that, that's immediately what I would think they would do. But yeah, you can't really like not go for Saru and Serana when you made that big speech last week about no one gets left behind. <laughs> well, but they weren't going for Saru and Serana. They were like, they Saru and Serana are trapped, and yeah. the answer to that is just to try to free the the Kelpians from the Baulds grasp. I feel like they could yeah. have written this episode better, where somehow. It was more like maybe they realized there was a plan going on to kill all the Kelpians and they were about to be exterminated anyway and they needed them to rise up or something like that. Like something to ha- to, to precipitate this action. The way they did it was just so um, offhanded. But that's that's my big issue with the episode. I, I have a number of issues. I want to understand why the Baul... Like, is there a benevolent motive to the Baul? Obviously, there has to be. Otherwise, they would have killed the Kelpians altogether unless there's some sort of... Uh, resource or something. You know, resource they're they're providing. Yeah, um, we never got that. And we don't know if they're... We don't know if there was just purely a benevolent motive. Like, we need to control this species because they're so dangerous. Uh-huh. But not... But we also don't know what's happening to the Kelpians when they get cold are they just killing them all or are they eating them we know they're tasty especially the ganglia yeah well okay the writers they didn't say it in the episode the writers though were asked is there a reason the baul keep uh, kept the kelpians around and built this whole elaborate system in mythology instead of just wiping out the potential threat and the writers said while the baul were nearly hunted to extinction by the kelpians it doesn't mean they wanted to commit genocide they have coexisted on this planet with the kelpians for thousands of years and in a twisted way this is the balance that they have preserved via the calling uh, the calling um so they uh, evidently they wanted to peacefully coexist but they just didn't want to be the prey species. Right. But to me, they were committing genocide. Just I agree. slow genocide. Just, you know, it's like when you go outside and you like, you like prune your trees. And, and it makes me think that, <laughs> yeah, uh, if your trees were sentient. Um, oh, maybe they are. We don't know. It's true. Stay woke, Matt. <laughs> Stay woke. <laughs> We've all seen Lord of the Rings. Well, 
I have it. The thing about it is, like, <laughs> it makes the whole balance thing, from the Ba'ul's perspective, I don't think the balance was a lie. Yeah. Because they said the, the whole reason they said they killed them is because at after the, the process, I can't remember the name of the process. Do you remember? The, I don't know the calling. I don't remember what the, uh, uh, that's no, what I call it. I don't the, know what it's actually called. Matu- anyway, after their maturing process, uh, it said that it was said that they go mad. Oh, the the Valhari. Yeah, the Valhari. Uh, after the Valhari, they go mad, and from the uh, perspective of the Baul, that that is true. They go mad and they become a predator, predator species. Mm-hmm. That so so it's interesting to me that this whole thing about and and the Baul even qu- start quoting about the great balance inside of their little stronghold when they're talking to Saru and Sarana. Um, so I don't even think the Baul necessarily were the villains uh, in this story by any means. Like they they at least they didn't think of themselves that way. I don't think they were intentionally deceiving. Um, the Kelpians, I think they were they were being truthful. You go mad. You go mad and become a horrible being once you go through this process. So we have to call yeah. you. Yeah. It's interesting stuff. And we don't know if this is their final evolution. The Kelpians? Yeah. True. Um, that is true. I mean, you don't even know what you're going to become. Just a dude with freaking spikes coming out? No, that's, this has got to be more than that. Well, no, I, I don't think we know the full extent. And that's my point about this whole changing the entire species. We we know that now they have spikes in their heads, but we have no idea what else they happens to them. Like what other what other effects there we're going to see through this whole thing. Yeah. I was a little confused. Um, one, that Saru could so easily come up with a communication device. But hey, we kind of saw precedent for that in The Brightest Star. Yeah. Two, I don't understand how the Ba'ul were so technologically advanced they had warp drive, but they couldn't just shut off the transmission from their little Legion of Doom headquarters. Yeah, that was strange. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they apparently couldn't do it in the Brightest Star either. <laughs> he was able to contact Starfleet and talk to them and learn their language. Mm-hmm. So the Ba'ul apparently are not good at jamming communication or even apparently detecting communications. Yeah. It's a little strange to me. Oh yeah, and also I, I do I do want to say this this episode we were told that this episode would uh, work well without the brightest star. I don't think it does. I think it works way better with the brightest star. I think it works way better. They did show a little bit of the brightest star and give you a little bit of context. Um, and with the the last episode, he talks about the calling, so, or two episodes ago. So I think they gave enough context that if you're brand new to this, you'd mm-hmm. you'd at least know what's going on. They even did a little retconning. Oh, really? Where? Um, <laughs> I have it in the in the uh, trivia section, but um, in this episode, Saru says that Giorgio was serving aboard the Archimedes when she found him. Yeah. And in the brightest star, when she lands, the shuttle has the graphic SHN03, which means that it was the third, like shuttle number three from the Shinjo. Oh! And when they showed it in, in this episode, they say they showed the same archive footage from this episode, or I mean, from the brightest star in this episode, and they re- removed the SHN because technically it's now from the Archimedes. Oh wow! Well, that's kind of annoying. 
but whatever. Right. <laughs> yeah, that is that, that is annoying. I would rather them leave it on the as SHN and then just say like, yeah, we had that shuttle borrowing from the <laughs> the Shinzo or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like I can headcan around it. If you actually change what's on the screen, I can't. <laughs> yep. Bad job, I, I, CBS. Bad job. I mean, I, I'm. I kind of see it as as the same thing as like I'm not going to try to, you know, headcanon why we see a cameraman sometimes in the panels on TNG. Right. Sure. Just, sure, sure. just move along home, Alan Moraine. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, what else? What else happened this episode that we want to get into? See, I, I, I prepared things for uh, in case you had problems with the episode. <laughs> but I don't know if I want to bring it up because I don't have a problem with these things. Okay, so you know? that's really funny that you're like that, it's one of the it's like one of the the, the downfalls of being on Twitter a lot is because like people like pose questions and I'm like, hmm, that sounds like something Matt will bring up. I have an answer for that, <laughs> and I make notes. Go ahead, but you're, you're making note, whole whole conversations that, don't, I know. that I'm not even bringing up. Uh, All right, so I saw some people uh, complain that uh, it was stupid that Saru ran into his sister, and she was the first person he saw on the planet when they went home. And I just felt like he was looking for his dad, and he ran into his sister yeah, because she was I, now the priest. He just went that to the was, priest's house and yeah. that was his sister. There's, that's not a problem. Yeah, I didn't see that as a, as a big thing. <laughs> um, they, they, uh, I saw some people complaining that she met Michael and didn't have the ganglia come out. And I'm like, well, she didn't sense the threat. Like, yeah, I, she didn't sense death. It's not, they don't have fear <laughs> for everything. It, we, we've right. seen in the past, we've seen in the past where he thought he should be fearful, but he'd reach back and his ganglia didn't do anything. And he's like, um, he was like, oh, I guess it's okay. Like it's a, it's a premonition sense. It's not a, it's not a, it's not a logical sense. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, anyway, I, I think, um, I would really like to know more about, uh, the evolution of of the Baul and the the Kelpians. Yeah, I um, think I think it, based on this episode, we're supposed to believe they're just two completely separate species. Um, based on, I mean, I, I think we got pretty strong evidence for that. Based on what we saw in those in those simulation rooms, where they uh, the one species hunted the other one almost to extinction. Right. I definitely. I definitely felt like. We, even though the freaking Baul look like Armus from Skin of Evil, I, <laughs> I think we were definitely meant to feel like the Baul aren't necessarily the bad guys here. You know, I don't know if we're meant to feel that way yet. I think part of what they were doing here is trying to show us a bad guy, and then maybe down the road we're supposed to feel that way. My favorite villains are always the bad guys who do bad things but don't believe that they're the bad guys. Sure, absolutely. Someone you can identify with. A bowl ducat, as it were. <laughs> I would, I would absolutely love it if if they fleshed out the baul over the course of the series. Yeah, me too. Uh, well, let's talk about what. What do you think about the section thirty-one of it all? This episode and the red angel. We haven't. That's the two other big things. Yeah, the red angel in section thirty-one and how all that interplays. Um, I thought it was neat that we saw a little more of the Red Angel. It seems like it's a being in a suit. Yes, and it looks it looks it looks like a woman's frame. Oh, you think that that might be a stuntman thing? But 
Maybe it was just they needed a, a, a maybe their stunt person was a woman. I don't know, I but it looks like a woman. I thought it didn't look like. I thought it looked like a CGI being. Like I thought it looked completely, um, you know, nondescript. But that that's you know, if maybe, it's, maybe if it's CGI and they purposely made it look that much like a female with his hips and stuff, like mm. that's even more telling. Yeah, I didn't catch that it looked female to me, but uh, yeah, it's very possible. Could be could be Michael. Um, yeah, I, that's what I thought. Like I didn't uh, in the in the when I was watching it, I didn't think about it. I was just like, oh, man in suit. But yeah. you know, uh, <laughs> it's like that is clearly a suit, a special a futuristic suit. Yeah. Um, and then looking at screenshots of it, I was just like, that looks like a lady's form. Yeah, yeah, I guess it kind of does. I'm I'm pulling it up now. I, I did not pay, notice that in the episode, but yeah. It it she definitely has those hips. Has that that's some childbirth and hips there. <laughs> oh wow! Okay, what Red Angel? We're has going some, the Red Angel has some childbirth and hips. We're going there with it. All right. Um, I'm offended. <laughs> uh, what? That's not, that's not an offensive term. <laughs> just don't ever tell an individual woman that she has childbirthing hips because they don't like that i'm not saying they'd like that i'm just saying i'm not saying that's all they're for <laughs> right of course not <laughs> they just got the wide hips is all i'm saying uh okay so <laughs> um i thought the whole conversation between pike and Ash Tyler was super interesting, um, talking about whether the Red Angel, this new evidence about the Red Angel makes it more of a threat or more altruistic. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that was cool. I, I liked, uh, I like that Pike thinks that they're paranoid. I love Tyler's response that they've just been at a war and some of us are still torn apart. Like, damn, dude. Yeah, he's definitely torn apart. And see, I think that's one of the reasons that, that Pike came off as so, uh, as you put it, feckless, is that he is, at every turn in this episode, he is being questioned, and he is being made to question his own, like, knee-jerk responses to things. Hmm. I just felt like, literally the way the crew was running, that's what, what I mean by feckless, is literally the way the crew was making decisions was completely bypassing the captain, even up until making a decision that changed a pre-warp species forever. Yeah, and I think I think what we're seeing here, and maybe I'm giving the writers too much credit, I don't know, uh, what, I, what I felt is we, we've they very much like set Pike up to be sort of an old fashioned guy. Like we see, we've, we've yeah, heard a lot about true. his faith as he was growing up. We've heard about he, he he likes the old view screens instead of holograms, and now he's being presented with situations where he doesn't know how to react because he's not Kelpian. He doesn't know how he should deal with the situation other than by means of being an old timey Starfleet captain. He's got, he's got, you know, he's looking for his first officer, but you know, his sister's on board and she's obviously like more emotionally invested than Pike would be. Like, I think he's just like on the sidelines because he feels like everything is moving way faster than him. And now he's got section 31, an old classmate who's running in that circle. He's got this like brand new 
I mean, maybe even Ash Tyler is somewhat uh, an allegory for uh, a transitioning person because he's both Klingon and human. So Pike doesn't trust him, but is he right to not trust him? Like, I think he's got Does a lot of shit know? going on. I was, I was thinking about that this episode. Does he know? That Ash Tyler's part Klingon or, or I, Klingon? I, I don't, don't think know. he does. I don't know. I was thinking about. I that. mean, I, I think I, he I, has I think to. I think that's part of the. Uh, I think he has to. Maybe I don't know why he has to. I don't remember to, the, the, the truth of it, but I don't. I don't remember them discussing that specifically, and I think that might be one of those things that Burnham hasn't told him because it's uh, classified. I don't know that it's. I don't know that that's because he knew that he, he was with um, Laurel, and he knew that he snapped Culber's neck. Oh, did he? Okay, then yeah, he probably does know all. That's that. why he doesn't trust him. Okay, cool. I didn't remember that. I just thought he didn't trust him because he was Section Thirty One. Hmm. Well, I don't. I, you know, I, but I, I think that Pike is dealing with a with a situation of he's you know. Not with it. He's, right. he's not. He's not uh, able to handle this sort of scenario. Yeah, like I think he's he is uh, deferring to uh, more experienced judgment calls from other people because he feels behind the times. Yeah, I think that might be something they're they're pushing towards. Hey, did I tell you um, this week. I want to thank them on this cast, too. I thank them on the MCU cast. Uh, some of our listeners, uh, uh, Trella and Mike, they came out to my show this weekend, which was, I thought was the coolest. Like, I don't think I've ever oh, cool. had uh, people from that just know us from the podcast like come out to a show. Uh, you know, yeah. uh, for those of you who don't know, I'm a musician. That's what I do for a living. So I was playing in Atlanta last weekend, and they showed up at the show and listened, and I thought that was super rad. Uh, but Mike brought up a uh, theory uh, he wanted to point out the fact that the Red Angel and the Red Angel and Spock leads and time travel lead him to believe that the, all of this has to do something with the red matter from uh, from the Star Trek 2009. Okay, what do you think of that? Um, that was. That was uh, kind of a vague thought that I had yeah. uh, a few weeks ago about like, I was just like, oh, that's funny. Spock and Red Angel and Spock and Red Matter and time travel. Yeah. I wonder if that's going to pan out. It does seem because like it's possible that Kurtzman is involved with yeah, this as that's well. That's the other so. thing. Kurtzman. Yeah. Sorry. I was thinking about like, there's a lot of little connections there. After he left me, uh, I was, I, I was sitting there playing my set <laughs> It's really funny when I'm playing my set, I'm playing like pop songs and I'm really in my head and running through like Star Trek theories, I'm, like <laughs> playing a Justin Timberlake song and I'm up there like, but what if, but what if Kurtzman is involved in the red matter and the red angel and, <laughs> and it's just, <laughs> uh, and I'm like, cry me a river. <laughs> um, but yeah, I thought that was pretty interesting. It definitely has enough, um, connections there to be sort of, a, sort of a viable theory. Yeah, I don't like that. Would be neat if um, someone from the future was using uh, the red matter to harness enough energy to uh, time travel independently of a starship. That'd be neat. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, Spock did it with a pretty small ship. Um, 
Well, he didn't really do it with a small ship so much as he got sucked into That's the true. like he got sucked into the the gravitational pull of the wormhole that it caused when he put the red matter into the uh Hoba star. Yeah. That's true. What do you think? Do you think the Red Abel is benevolent? Um, I think it is. I think it's well-intentioned. Mm, that's a, yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. Uh, but I don't, I don't think it's going to turn out to be good th- a good thing that this creature is doing it. Right. So here, here's my theory for the season. Uh, where, where we're going We've got Section 31 who mistrusts this creature and who mm-hmm. has shady um, and sometimes amoral uh, motives and um, methods. And we have this red angel who's, you know, doing pretty large things. I have a feeling that Section 31 is going to do something to stop the red angel or, you know, do some sort of big thing to the red angel, but the, uh, section 31 is just going to clearly be in the wrong, like just straight up in the wrong in the scenario, which might be one of the things that could draw, like it was say they actually caused the extermination of a species because they stopped the red angel from doing its work. And that could be one of the things that drives section 31 underground. And then we get a Section 31 series that's like a spinoff, and they've gone completely underground, and it's like a, it's more like what the traditional Section 31 we think of is. Yeah, that's possible. I, I think that's probably a good call, but I also think that whatever they do to, that will drive them underground, they're going to do something drastic and terrible, but I think that no one is going to be right here. I don't think anyone's going to be in, in the right you know what I mean? I think hmm. it's going to be everyone has a completely wrong assumption about the Red Angel. Like maybe Starfleet proper is too trusting. Pike and Burnham are too trusting. Section 31 is too paranoid. It's going to be like some sort of... That's why I think that like the Red Angel is going to be like well-intentioned, but ultimately going to screw everything up. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a good I think it's a good point that I don't I also I don't think the Red Angel is necessarily going to be completely in the right, because there's always unintended consequences to doing anything, and time travel mm-hmm. is definitely <laughs> one of those things. It's a lot. Of, that's a lot of time travel, and a lot of major things have happened this season. Yeah, it's it's, it's keeping me interested, though. Yeah, uh, it makes me. Yeah, and obviously we talk about canon all the time, but this definitely could be a backdoor way of breaking us out of the regular canon. Or it could be a backdoor way of fixing the canon. Yeah, for sure. What What is interesting to me about this time travel, this, this traveler's coming from the future, right? Mm-hmm. And so we assume. Maybe. We, yeah. Right. I'm, I'm going to make some assumptions. Well, you know, they said it was more advanced than anything right. they had seen. Right. Which could mean it's a time-traveling preserver. Who knows? Mm-hmm. It's um, craft. <laughs> yeah, we yeah. Uh the 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 crap craft ain't got those hips. Ooh. Um Ooh. Ooh. What? Uh, yeah, that's what I just thought about. What what if it's like what if it's discovery, man? What if <laughs> Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh what did he name Discovery? In the future? Oh, he called oh, her something. I don't remember. Or she called herself something. She called herself something, probably from that funny face movie. 
Maybe. He called her, she called him funny face. I don't remember what she called herself. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but yes, so maybe it is. I doubt it. It's, that's a silly thing. Right, right, right. <laughs> so if we assume this being is from uh-huh. the future, uh, which I think is a pretty safe assumption, yeah. then... Like, look at it's traveling through the, the, this this universe and going to any time that it could. It is going to a very specific time period. So all of these red signals that are happening in the sky, it seems like they're all pretty close together and causing these effects. It does make me think that it's that this red angel is somehow related to these events that are happening now. Like someone who is possibly Michael Burnham, possibly Pike, possibly anyone who is on the ship right now who has gone forward into the future and is now keeps coming back to try to fix things. That's a solid point. But you know, this red angel also deemed it necessary to go back in uh, back in time to World War Three and save a group of people. Absolutely, and the only thing I, I I thought about that same thing, and and the only thing about that would be is if for some reason that that planet they visited was necessary to the plan. So then they, and then you also get into all kinds of causality issues where the reason they're going to these places is because of the Red Angel. Hmm. But maybe that's part of it. Maybe the Red Angel is getting them to do certain things in a certain sequence to change history in a certain way. The but, Red Angel had to save those people for that time, for that version of the timeline to exist where some sort of paradoxical crap. If like the Red Angel is Michael Burnham, like, she's like, okay, well, I remember this. So this has to happen. So I have to go back in time and save these people from World War Three and put them on this planet so that I can find them with Discovery. Oh, actually, dude, I think we're right. I think it's Michael Burnham, and here's why. Yeah. Final episode of the season, she is the one that goes back and saves Spock as a boy. Yeah. That, that makes perfect sense. It'd be totally beautiful. Like she's done something horrible to him as a boy. Uh whatever. We don't know what that was about yet, but then part of the resolution. Maybe they never get it never gets resolved. Their relationship never gets resolved in the current timeline, but mm-hmm. somehow her going back and saving him as a boy is this like you know, it's this thing she could do for him. Yeah. And maybe, maybe he, maybe she's able to reveal to him that she's the red angel and maybe he never reveals it to her, but yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think that's not a bad idea that it's Michael Burnham. Yeah. I think it's totally Michael Burnham. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. The, the idea of her rescuing Spock as a boy just seems as much as they've dealt with their relationship this season, that seems like a, beautifully poetic way of ending the season and something these writers would do. I don't know if I like it, <laughs> but I think it might be the case. Mm, yeah, I think I agree with you. I think it's, it, I, I think it is at least someone from the ship and then we narrow it from there. It's someone who has a vested interest in these particular points of interest, you know? And you know the writer. The writers have said that they were looking to, and they were looking to explain why Spock never mentioned Michael. Hmm. What if she has to go back and save him and destroy herself in the past? 
<laughs> what if she's like River Song style, living these events in reverse? And the last one is her going mm. back to save Spock and remove herself from the timeline, which would her being removed from the timeline could completely fix discovery and line it back up into the current timeline just because it would um, stop the Klingon war from happening. All, or at least that version of the Klingon war from happening. Mm. It could completely change the timeline. Yeah. Maybe. Of course, that would also mean removing Michael Burnham from this show. Yeah. Uh, which is, is problematic at best. Uh, but, you know, they've, they've wanted, they seem like they're wanting to make a different show every season, or at least so far. So that would be a real different show if Michael Burnham just suddenly was never existed. <laughs> or the, this version of Michael Burnham changes things so that, that you could still have, uh, Martin Green on the show, but it's, she's a different version of Michael Burnham, who never, who still went to Starfleet, but never, maybe wasn't, uh, maybe wasn't Spock's sister, wasn't raised by Sarah. Right, right. Then we see a what are people like with different, you know, nature versus nurture sort of thing. Like what's similar, what's different. That is all sounds pretty interesting to me, mm-hmm. but it also sort of sounds like hitting the reset button on a show yeah, it, that we've gotten to know these characters for two years. I would kind of hate to. Remove feels, all of that. It feels a little too much for me, like Fringe season four. Yes, totally. And that is exactly uh, which what is, I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> which was like no one remembers Peter, but Peter. Oh, I think it's about oh. when Nimoy showed up too. <laughs> no, Nimoy was there from the get go. Oh, was he in Fringe? He absolutely from the was. Absolutely. I no, dude. That's yeah. not true. Because I remember that's, him showing up. Because. Uh, the, 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 the scientist, I forget his name, would always William talk. Bell. William Bell would always talk about his partner and they never showed him until like the end of season three. He like showed up in, in like the last reel of season two or three. Well, William Bell was Leonard Nimoy. Um, no, no, no. I know the other character showed up. I just remember be very distinctly him showing up and being like, oh, of course it would be Leonard Nimoy as the other guy. That's so cool. I don't think he was on it from season one. I, hmm. I may be wrong, but I'm I'm willing to bet $5 on it. Okay, well, you're wrong. He showed up in season one. There's more than one of everything. Uh, which episode is that? There's more than one of everything. <laughs> What, what part of the season? Episode 20. All right. Last, like I said, he showed yeah. in the last reel of a season. You said since the beginning, I say I'm right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> anyway, that was fun. Um, you said season three or four, jerk. I said two or three. <laughs> it was end of one. You said beginning. Yeah. Anyway, uh, that was uh, so. You guys should watch Friend. It's a pretty fun show, except for it gets weird toward the end and doesn't really. Season four and five sucks. It doesn't feel There's satisfying. No, it's it's no cool. other way to say it. It sucks. It, it sucks because I feel like when it gets to the most interesting stuff, to me, all the alternate reality stuff, it uh, it kind of abandons a lot of the character moments that it was good at. Um, yeah. Which may be what they did with Lost, too, honestly. You know, it's like, it's all about characters in the first beginning, in the beginning, and then they say it's mm-hmm. all about characters in the end, but, like, they really start diving into some nerdy stuff that I really enjoy, but they kind of lose some of the thread on some of the characters, I think. I, I disagree on that, that they lose the thread of the characters in Lost, but you and I disagree on Lost. I'm yeah. pretty happy with it. 
I'm I'm mildly happy with it. <laughs> all right, uh, let's get back to Star Trek. <laughs> yes, yes. I think yes. that's about all I have to say about this episode. What you got any uh, quotes or trivia? I, I do. I uh, let's see. Uh, first up, some quotes. Um, I liked Saru's. For eighteen years, I dreamt of returning to my village. It has not changed at all, but I see it quite differently now. Yeah, I like that. I think anyone who has ever like moved out of your hometown and then come back has felt that way. Yeah. Oh yeah. You, you don't change the place doesn't change, but you change so much. Your perspective is different. It's cool. Yeah. Um, I liked Pike here when he says, this is captain Pike. I will not allow you to wipe out an entire race. Your fear of the Kelpians has blinded you to a peaceful solution. Starfleet can help you negotiate a new balance between your two species, protecting everyone on your world. However, if you choose to murder the entire Kelpian population, you will become our enemies. Choose wisely. Yeah. Uh, that, that's my favorite Pike moment of this episode. I, I said he's acted feckless and I'd still stand by that, but that moment was badass. <laughs> and uh, my favorite quote of the episode comes from Pike. Reese, hail those bastards. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, some interesting trivia. Um, I found, I found this piece on uh, IMDb, but um, I have actually, I honestly no no idea if it's true, but it's great if it is. Uh, Neither of the species on Kaminar are called Kaminari, huh. but the episode was called The Sounds of Thunder, and the Japanese word Kaminari means thunder. Huh. Neat. The Sounds of Kaminari. That's neat. And uh, this was a, kind of a red flag. I noticed this in the episode. Um, but yeah, Saru beamed... Uh, down to the surface of Kaminar while the ship was on red alert. And uh, the shields should not have allowed that transporter to happen. Hmm. No good. <laughs> uh, is it possible to go to red alert without the shields up? S- supposedly not. Like I've That has been used as a plot point in previous episodes of Star Trek. That's part of the red alert process is just the ships yeah. automatically go up. You know, could be different for different ships, too. Yeah, I have. I do know that I've heard Riker specifically say, red alert, shields up, as if they were two separate actions. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I thought I'd heard that. So, keep that in mind. <laughs> oh, I will. that's all i got man that's cool man uh well guys thank you for listening to the show tonight uh it was fun we we got got to it kind of late this week because as i mentioned i was playing in atlanta all last weekend so i just got to watch this episode on like tuesday um so next week uh we we got do we have an episode next week um yeah i think so okay Um, i thought so let me let me check uh, how many are they doing in a row? Are they doing uh, eight, or are they doing the whole season? Let me check. All right. Yeah, we have one next week. It's two twenty-eight, which is two days from now because we waited so late. So that's light and shadows. And then the next episode is uh, March seventh. Okay, so we got to that's the next week, right? Yeah. Yeah, cool. and it looks like they're going straight through. Honestly, wait, March seventh and. In the 14th. 
And the 21st. Great. So we got we, we'll be we'll be here every week for a while. Yeah. Um, so yeah, thanks for listening guys. We'll be back next week and the week after and the week after. So, yeah. Thanks for listening. Tell your friends if they like Star Trek and podcasts to check out our show, please. We're we're just now getting started, um, so it really helps out if you get a chance to go like us and review us and share us on the social medias because um, mm-hmm. uh, we're still we're still a new podcast and uh, not you know uh, we, we me and Dave have both done this for years with other shows and it takes a while to build a build build an audience. Um, yep. And so if you get a chance to share this with your friends, please do. Uh, we'll be back next week. Talk to you soon. Peace. Live long and prosper. To reach out to us, hit us up at Star Trek UCast.com, at Star Trek UCast on Twitter, Star Trek Universe Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Just search for us there or send us a message at Star Trek UCast at gmail.com. If you'd like to hear more from David C. Robertson, check out the DC On Screen podcast or maladjusted.tv. And if you want to hear more from Matthew Carroll, that's me, check out the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast or go listen to my music at matthewcarrollmusic.com or anywhere you get music. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.